So I have a feeling this episode's going to be painful for me. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Anyway, I'm Ace Colwood. And I'm Scott Wayne. And this is Envoy Recorded Radio. All right, should we start with the murder trailer? Yeah. So yesterday, <laughs> we got off the river, and um, look, I'd done all the work for this. I loaded the trailer. I left it. No, I didn't. I parked a car at the bottom of the river, and then I got all... All you had to do was show up at 7 o'clock, which you did. Are you just framing you your You pretended exhaustion? to pump up a board. I was exhausted. We came off the river. <laughs> we got in... We got in the car, drove up, and what did I do to the trailer that we own? Uh, you ran directly into it. Just drove straight into it. It was yeah. right in front of me. In your daughter's car. Straight into it. Not even your own car. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That. yeah. But you had reversed into said same trailer a few weeks earlier. Look, I'm, all I'm saying is the scoreboard is reading Envoy Trailer 2, <laughs> These Muppets 0. Yeah, I backed in, I directly into the trailer. And so when I got out to the river, your girls asked, because clearly you had told them I'm an idiot. <laughs> this is, what, four hours before you backed into the same trailer. Uh, they said, Uncle Ace, what happened to the trailer here? And I said, water buffalo are dangerous beasts. And yeah, now you've got to explain how a water buffalo both hit the car and the trailer later in the day. Yeah. Good job. All right. Um, penguins. We t- you were dressed as a penguin in our last episode. And, I, was, uh, I was dressed as a penguin. We, we've had several people send us articles about penguins, and um, apparently their mating habits. Did, did you want to comment on this? <laughs> no, not, not particularly on mating habits of, uh, of penguins, but I was reading this really cool article. Uh, I don't know if it was cool. I thought it was interesting, uh, entitled How Emotionally Intelligent People Use the Penguin Rule to Become Extraordinarily Persuasive. What is the penguin rule? So the penguin rule is fascinating. Basically, what the article talks about is how we often orient to a term as we're with a group of people and we use terminology um, and we often think that everybody is thinking the same thing we are. I think when we talk about psychological safety, that is one of those things. I'll come back to that in a second. Um, But they use uh, the word penguin as an example here. So they studied uh, people's understanding of the word penguin. And what they found is there are 10 to 30, this is a quote, quantifiably different concept variants when one says penguin. And one would expect that a penguin's a very easy term to orient to. Um, but some people, when they think of penguin, uh, think about the term heavy. Some think light. Um, anybody who sees a penguin waddle would think it's a, a really heavy thing. Um, but some think they're birds and they have bird skeletons, which are typically lighter. Um, some things. Some people think a penguin is noisy. Others think it's like a finch or a dolphin. And so um, the probability, another quote, probability two people selected at random will share the same concept about penguins is around 12%. That's very low. It's very yeah. low. And so we often throw, I mean, particularly in our work, we, we people think we are parsing um, terminology. And no, I call it definitional excellence. If we start with the foundation of just defining the thing we're talking about, mm-hmm. it expedites our ability to get to some consensus or a decision for an organization. And that assumption that everybody uses the same terms, we've seen this with NASA, we've seen this with boards across the world. Um, unless we define the thing, we are often going to be operating around a term with different 
understanding of the concept. And so the penguin rule is remember that only 12% of people overlap when they talk about what a penguin is in their head unless they put stringent definition to it. And we should I probably do that. I yeah. do love this. Yeah, this, it's really cool. The word that I have trouble pronouncing, specificity, yeah. is something that I'm often clamoring for, especially in the United States where we, we tend to uh, use what I call wraparound words where everything is either terrible or awesome. Mm. Awesome is my most unpreferred word. Unpreferred is is a, is a specific phrase, uh, because you know, for something to be awesome, you should be in awe of in it. Awe and of yet, it. Yeah. this is an awesome cup of tea that I'm drinking from the generic Tazo brand of Starbucks. <laughs> with, you know, and and, but I think that becomes important. You know, you touched on it, but also in in terms of giving feedback or receiving feedback, yeah. it's being specific around the thing that you're giving feedback on. So I could say to Perry, uh, "Hey, you you missed the mark on the overall mission of this video. The intro was outstanding. You nailed it." And what I feel is that in this case, Perry only hears the mark was missed on the overall thing. All of this is fixable, right? And you miss it, so you almost mm. put the, you either just hear the compliments or you just hear the the critiques, Yeah. but that we need to be better and more specific. And in fact, I think Alan is working on with you how to, how to say sorry specifically, Yeah. yeah. How, how to make an apology uh, um, yeah, as a life skill. We're working through that That's as a life hilarious. skill. That'll be a lot of fun to just put terminology around. But um, while, while you're on that piece, it, this brings another thing that I talk about often, the feedback sandwich. You know, like yeah. that tends to the be shit the, sandwich. Yeah. Yeah, the, the shit sandwich. It really is, though, because you say the good thing. Hey, I think you're doing really great overall, but you had this issue the other day. Also, I just want you to know that you're really valued here, right? Like you give the good, you insert the bad, you give the good. And, and most often we hear that as all good or all bad. It's very hard to parse nuance there. And so what I, what I find is just give the good feedback and let it stand on its own. And separately and at a different time, give the bad feedback also. Both pieces of feedback are necessary, but often when we slam them together in order to soften a blow or give somebody some optimism after some bad updates on their, their work product, um, we actually lose the value of both of those things. So you are saying don't, don't give the feedback at the same time. Don't give the feedback. No, yeah, don't do the feedback sandwich. But does that mean that people... It won't surprise you that I struggle with giving feedback. Mm -hmm. it, does that mean that people then feel cheated if you gave the gave one type of feedback and then it's almost like you're retracting it later? No. Why? Well, why I doesn't mean, it? I I can't say. Couldn't I say? But you said it was terrible, and now he's saying, "Great, look, that feedback was wrong," or vice versa, that I'm heartbroken because you told me it was good, and then it's not. I think particularly with, and no, this is this is a, probably an important clarification with the feedback sandwich. I've seen it used so often is one piece of completely unrelated information is good and then non sequitur into the bad thing and then let me find something else good that exists in our relationship to give you. And so it's just finding good to sandwich the bad in there. I, I think very related feedback you can give good and bad, right? So back to the video example, hey, this video isn't quite where we want it to land, but to be clear, the intro was great. Don't touch that. Um, you crushed it on the intro, I think, to round right. it out. Let's find some energy that matches what you did really well with the intro. That would be appropriate. 
but they're like, let me just find something good. Hey, that speech you gave yesterday was awesome, Scott. Uh, the feedback that you gave today was garbage. <laughs> Also, I just want you to know I like your haircut. Like, it's it's a ridiculous <laughs> way. And, like, of course, that's a, a, a manufactured example, right. but I see that happen so often. Just unrelated things to give a balance of good and bad. No, let's talk about the thing. If we're talking about the video, there's good in here, there's bad in here. Um, we can share both of those. But that idea of formulaic, give good, then bad, then good again, um, that's where people get lost in trying to understand what just happened with that feedback I was given. Um, and that's not fair to folks. So we're going to bridge, I suspect, from the apology uh, to some apologies I had to make last week. But before we do that, I just want to <laughs> say on that penguin front, just to round out on the penguins, mm. um, you know, I, I can relate because when you talked about lots of different identifiers that people think of when they think about penguins, they thought about heavy, they thought about uh, waddle, they thought about noisy. Yeah. When I saw you in that suit last week, that I thought all three of those at the same time. Yeah. Particularly the waddle. Particularly the waddle. Thanks, man. All right. I needed that. Coming on to apologies. <laughs> Should we talk about my racism last week? Uh, well. <laughs> well, 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 well. You yeah. Let, let's. You. So. God, we should talk about this, and I'm. It's yep. Can I set the scene? Yeah, please. Can do. I set the scene for this? <laughs> please. So, do. as we're talking about my racism, so we had been invited by the Society for Human Resource Management, the Richmond chapter. So, our hometown had invited us to talk about allyship. Now, allyship is a talk that we give together. Yep. Or sometimes you give individually. Sometimes, But yeah. you have me come along. Would you like to explain why you have me participate? I do. When you talk so about the idea of allyship really briefly is is um, a member of, member or members of an in-group, those who are um, not on the fringes of an organization or society, et cetera. Those as a member of an in-group, leveraging their privilege to support members of the out-group to the out-group's ends. Um, so allyship, we often see men allying with women and heterosexual folks um, allying with people with different sexual identities, so on and so forth. And uh, so this allyship talk is how does one build a partnership with the outgroup and it requires knowing what they need and building rapport and relationship and knowing what our motive is. And so I bring Scott along as the pasty white man, <laughs> as he says, his words, not mine, uh, to ask some of the uncomfortable questions that an audience might not ask, but is often wondering. And so we get this back and forth of what does it look like? What does it feel like? Hey, but let me dig there a little bit so I can understand it better. And I think Scott plays that role very well and also brings some very real partnership building mechanics to the conversation. I love how you describe me as Scott as if I'm this third party product that you just put on stage. I'm here. I'm oh, you're still here. Conversation with you. Yeah, yeah. My bad. So yes, this is true. And yep. it generally goes very very well. It does. And it, we like the impact that it has. Um, I'm always a little nervous before we deliver it because <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the white man on stage about to talk about allyship. Um, yep. Now, with this audience in particular, though, I was feeling the pressure because we haven't spoken in our hometown in a long, long it's been, time. It's been a so it's a hometown yeah. audience um, that we're coming back to. And I know this group very, very well because yeah. from early days of starting up a decade ago, uh, we did some things with this group. So know a lot of people there. 
um, not unusual actually for us to be in a setting where people presume that you know a lot of people, but actually I know a lot of people and you don't. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. it's another one of those. <laughs> uh, and then we got to know Sherm during COVID because Sherm partnered with us in the very early days when we were learning how to do virtual gigs yep. and just rolled with us as we ran around with cables and rubber bands and chewing gum to try to make it all work. So they're gems. So there was a lot in this. There's a lot in this. I was nervous about the presentation. So we're there. So we're in amongst uh, what is largely friendlies. Yeah. I'd, I'd say 75% of the audience is really tight with us and 25% is whatever the opposite of tight is with us because we don't quite fit with that, <laughs> with the view <laughs> of that group. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were going to talk about how you get pilloried from the right for being too progressive, but more pilloried from the left for, for not, not being pushing enough. pure enough, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The purity test. So we're, we're, sort of, we're trying out some things. Oh, this is a big build-up. So the build-up is I'm walking through this crowd of people. They've just broken session. I'm walking in the opposite direction. Crowds of faces that I recognize. And I lunge across this crowd to hug my friend Ebony, who I haven't seen in a few months, who <laughs> went went with us through that that virtual period, yeah. and we were learning it all. And she was the MC. She uh, she was actually very nervous on camera at first, and we sort of worked together, and then just nailed it and nailed it and nailed it. And we don't see a lot of each other, but we message back and forth. And so Ebony has this this beautiful uh, this beautiful bald head, just like mine. Well, hers is beautiful, mine isn't. And she wears these amazing, she always wears these amazing, like, very fashion glasses, the sort that you would wear, actually. And I see her across the car, I lunge across this group, we're heading in the opposite direction, I give her this big hug, and I kind of banter for a while, I get this big hug back. But then I realize the banter isn't quite, isn't quite what I'd expect from Ebony. Mm-hmm. And we sort of wrap up, and you know, there's like those tides of movement at these conferences. And then I head out to the courtyard to meet with you, <laughs> and I see Perry... <laughs> taking photographs of my friend Ebony and I realize I have just hugged somebody Random that I thought was Ebony yeah. that wasn't Yeah, at a DEI conference <laughs> so you can't make this up so just to be clear you yeah god there are times that I you were just the worst mm-hmm. so I sit down opposite you mortified like absolutely <laughs> mortified yeah and say to you, I've just, and at the point I say, I've just, you went, you confused that woman for Ebony, didn't you? And I said, yeah. And you said, I almost did too. And you said all of that very, very quietly. You like whispered it. And then what did you say very loudly right after that? Racist. Which and I, I just wanted was to hilarious. crawl under a table. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. It was great. Just to be clear, I, I had met Trinace before, who is the person that I hugged. Uh-huh. And she and Ebony walked up at the end of the session <laughs> and thought it was very funny. But but that does not remove my modification. Um, no. It was, it was awful. Nor should it. Was it was awful. And Nor I think I've it. just leaned in. So anyway, for, for those who say I'm performative when we're talking about these things, and I'm, yeah, all of that. You, you might be right. Absolute gems. Uh, what I will say, though, there's a there's a theory for this. Is there? Yeah, there is. I was, not if if I had thought that Dr. You. Van Blen von Schnodenstein was going to save me, it wasn't about this. <laughs> what did he say? He shall come to your rescue today. No, there, there, there have been a number of um, neuroscience experiments of late 
trying to figure out that phrase, all of you people look alike, and you're not allowed to ask what I mean by you people, mm-hmm. but you know. Uh, no, but like finding groups, particularly along demographic lines, to our brains, people of other races really do look alike. It is. Is this a study? Is this a genuine study? Or is this it is. It is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, continuing to hone and, and revise studies. But effectively what it says is if we belong to a certain demographic group looking across boundaries, across lines to other groups, it's very easy for us to see their features the same until we've built rapport, relationship, and just interacted with those other groups. So our, our kind of natural distinction is not racism as much as it is just a lack of familiarity with how features manifest in other demographic groups. And so, uh, yeah, it's uh, they call it the other race effect, but it's pretty well documented. No, uh, it's yeah. actually... Yeah, yeah, the other race effect. Um, so, yeah, some folks say that's racial bias and, and unconscious at best. It's it's rarely malicious. It's just I may not have been exposed to the nuance of facial features for another group and therefore find it harder to distinguish between individuals when they're all from a similar background or demo. It's not excusing it. It's, it's actually a case for why we should engage and interact with people from other backgrounds more regularly. So we start to build the mechanics of making that distinction. I've made light of this, but I'm yeah. like, yeah. I've no. beaten pretty hard. That whole self-flagellate <laughs> button was was hit very aggressively. And to be I, clear, when there were when I yelled racist at you, were there not very many people around? I did not put you fully <laughs> on blast. There weren't many people. It was around. just us outside. Uh, no, but so what did come up the other day mm. was um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name her. Ah, mate. No, I won't. I won't. Um, <laughs> but you, you know her well. Uh, she was describing being at uh, what does Salesforce call that thing where they all get together? It's like SalesCon or something. Sa- like that. It's no. not SalesCon. It's got a name. It's they they spend billions of dollars on it, and we can't remember the name of it. Yeah. But it's where all the Salesforce users come together. And she works in tech, and she had sent us a message, or maybe it was just me, but it was uh, Dreamforce. Dreamforce. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's not when I think about something called Dreamforce. I don't think of a bunch of techies. Stop talking. Stop. Stop. Right. Stop. Anyway. <laughs> So uh, she had sent a message that said, I'm really having trouble remembering people's names mm-hmm. because all these men look the same and they yeah. all wear the same clothes. That yeah. was kind of interesting. Now, I, I would love to put up a picture of Trinace and Ebony to illustrate how similar they look. And in their LinkedIn profiles, they look nothing like each other. Um, <laughs> they were simply wearing similar. They, they had the same hairstyle and the same glasses and same style of clothing. Yep. Um, which is a little bit of this point around the Salesforce guys, which I think, but that would fit with like, it's sort of a tech, tech bros or tech sales bros are kind of their own. I don't know what the word is. Yeah. I burnt my, uh, Patagonia vest as soon as I left the tech sector. I didn't actually, I didn't burn it. It's a very good vest, but yeah, but I know what you mean. Conceptually. Yeah. 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 But she was genuinely saying she couldn't tell them apart and would confuse yeah. So there's uh, this is the last thing I'll say on this. There was a um, I, I don't that, know why I'm extending this conversation. Gingham, I want to move no, through it. I as love it as though. The, yeah. That gingham shirt from J. Crew that everybody had yeah, the yeah, blue. Yeah. <laughs> there was just Instagram accounts that popped up <laughs> of just swaths of tech bros in there, <laughs> in that gingham shirt from J. Crew. And yeah, I mean, look for. 
for an industry that prides itself on individuality and pushing the envelope and thinking big. There's a lot of homogeneity in there. And this is having lived in that world. I even enjoyed it a little bit. There we go. What's next? Oh, I got one. Okay. All right. Um, reverse innovation. We haven't yeah, done yeah, one yeah. in All a right. while. Oh, you want to see what I got this weekend? Right. It's a wallet. It's yeah. a fat wallet. Right? Uh, why, why did you make that distinction? Because it was, it's, well. No, this is, this is curious. I think you're about to, you're about to lean Well, it has my... lots of cards in it. Yeah. There's all kinds of cards in it. Yeah. yeah. So many. So it, but, but you specifically said it's a fat wallet, which implies the existence of skinny wallets, which I feel like is where we've landed yeah, I've, in, I've this, in this era. Um, Constantly trying to take things out of it. Yeah. 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 So, but the skinny wallet. So I've run into my, I had a skinny wallet like that up until the end of this week. And all of my cards got mangled in it. Like just absolutely decimated. My like American Express, the really cool one from a 747, just ripped to shreds and it's metal. Like it just ended up because the tops of the cards aren't covered and so they stick out and they're in my pocket and they just get pulled along and just absolutely wrecked. And instead, I went to a fat wallet that covers my cards entirely and will ostensibly protect them more. But we started with fat wallets. Oh, but you don't have any cash in there. I don't care. So the cash. wider yeah. wallet isn't to fit a note; yeah. it's to protect your it's protect, protect your metal. Yeah. yeah, And so I I feel like if we had started with skinny wallets, we just said this is kind of ridiculous. We yeah. should go back to we should go to fat wallets. But we started with fat wallets, and now we're we're on the minimalism kick with uh, respect to card holders. You know, I was I was about to say. Some of the smart ass about, you know, and there is this thing called payment by phone that if America decided to do it, we wouldn't need any of it. If we did. But actually, I was I was in the UK very briefly last week yeah. and did a quick fly through. Um, and one, one of the things I love about London is that the payment system for transportation is all fully integrated. Yeah. So you, you just pay with your card. Buses, trains, it's all like linked to the same thing. But um, but you would think that the phone is the easiest way to do it. And lots of people use the phone. Yeah. But actually, the tap to pay card it's kind of great. It's just it's worth having one yeah. debit card or credit card just to yep. throw there. And of course, it doesn't run out of battery, which is very nice. Which is um, which is great. Um, yeah. I will say though, back to the, back to cash. We've been talking about privacy quite a lot, and privacy is yeah. an emerging thing. What I was thinking about is, in five years, when we're doing reverse innovations, we may say, as we're getting as we're facing this push for privacy, do you know what would be a great innovation? This is like a payment system that's not tied to biometrics yeah. or our data. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like just like a little piece of paper. A little piece of paper that, that denotes that, some a little piece of paper that promised you money that was in your bank account. Yeah. Yeah. Something like wild. that. Yeah. Like a promissory note, I think they call it. I wonder what I that's think, gonna look like when I, somebody if there was a it. shorthand like hmm, yeah. Combined assets. Shifting here. <laughs> uh, that could be it. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, all right. Um, could we go to serious things? Sure. Um, the the murder of a gentleman on the New York subway a few weeks ago. Yeah. And I'm going to forget all these names. I haven't I haven't linked the article. Um, but so the scene was a. 26-year-old, I think it was, former U.S. Marine, had uh, interjected himself into a situation on the subway. Daniel Penny. 
Daniel Marine. Yeah. And the victim? Jordan Neely. Jordan Neely. So Jordan Neely, um, who had boarded the train and had made comments around how desperate he was, how miserable his life was, and he was ready for his he was he was ready for his life to end or comfortable with his life ending. Now maybe yeah. the specificity of those words there do matter. Yep. Or maybe they don't. Um and Penny um grabbed the man, brought him to the floor, and put him in a chokehold, was helped by other passengers, yep. and ultimately choked him to death. The the coroner says he he, he was death through yeah, um, fatal chokehold. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So when this the, when this first happened, you and I sort of had the briefest of chats about it. We did. It was sort of like, oh, context, like context, context, context. And then I watched the video, mm-hmm. and I was like, nah, yeah, that was enormous overuse of force. Because the original context was like, well, somebody boards a train and says yeah. they're ready to end their life, um, and here's this marine that interjects. And then all of my sort of stereotypes kicked in in a positive way about the marine but then when i saw photographs of him but since we're talking about my my biases today i then saw the way he looked mm-hmm. and i saw that he was discharged in his early 20s mm-hmm. which is just a, it's uh, that combination um, uh, the marine you mean. Yeah, yeah 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 so i i, I presumed some things about him mm-hmm. um and then i saw the video and it's pretty clear f- at least from the video that this was a significant overuse of force yeah. okay so so that was the scene and then so i'm on the subway a week or so later it's last week was it last week i was in new york yeah. last week yeah and i'm on the subway and i'm taking the subway out to the airport and let's just be clear it's america i'm taking the subway somewhere vaguely close to an airport <laughs> so i can take a cab to the airport because <laughs> god forbid we actually have a subway line to the airport yeah um but the this guy gets on board the train He's, he's clearly, like this gentleman, mentally ill. And he sits between two women and starts talking loudly. Thankfully, he didn't address either of the people on the train, mm-hmm. nor touch them in any way or anything like that. He, he was in his own place doing his thing, and then 20 minutes later, disembarked the train. And, and New Yorkers, as New Yorkers do, just blank the whole thing. Right. Yeah. But if, he, if that had been different, I was trying to think about what I would do. And I struggled with it. And a few days prior to that, I'd been on the tube in London. Yeah. Also heading to the airport, because apparently that's all we do is take public transport to airports. And two guys had got on the train, on the tube, and were just kicking off, right? They were harassing passages, and and I may may have interceded, interjected (laughs) myself. Um, And it was interesting there, because... One of the things that rang through my mind is the likelihood that they have a gun is negligible, yeah. right? So I don't, I, there's no expectation of me to strike first because the risk is extremely low, mm-hmm. uh, or at least of me being out of control. If they, if they have a knife, you'll see it coming, like all of those things, none of which is good. And so it just gets back to that, like the whole context thing yeah. of if you think something's a threat, but we are so highly armed in this country, when is defense offense and vice versa? I don't have any of the answers to it. No, I, I, I don't either. Surprise. Um, I think what we've created an impossible scenario, right? Like societal, yeah. it's this catch-22. Um, see something, say something is the adage, right? And 
how many people know what they're seeing in the first place, yeah. right? We were in D.C. Mm. Uh, earlier, end of last year. We were in D.C. We're walking uh, down oh, by DuPont. The machete guy. Yeah. 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 And you and I both separately clocked. We were with um, we were with a female friend of ours. I don't even yeah. remember who it was. Um, but you and I, from about 30 yards out, clocked a guy running toward us. At about 20 yards out, we clocked that he had a machete in his hand or a long knife, like just a massive knife. And at about 10 yards out, you and I both nudged <laughs> our acquaintance, our companion, over to the side and both took the inside route, given where the guy was running. And we didn't do anything, but we were both on alert immediately. And I'm not sure how many people would have clocked 30 yards out or 20 yards out that there were a knife in that guy's hand. Like, we clocked it, we saw it, we adjusted our course appropriately, but most... I, I don't know that there are many people out there who can assess threat, physical harm, violence really well in real time and then make an appropriate decision and then do something about it to either avoid harm or avoid some negative scenario to the people around that. It, it's impossible. And then what do you do? Yeah. Once you're well, in I, that I just, I yeah. just need Jamie Jones Miller, if you're listening, this clearly doesn't apply to the Uber we were in in Columbia, <laughs> South Carolina a few weeks ago. But that's a whole separate story. Oh, uh, more stories. But, no, but, but that machete, yeah. I believe, is legal in DC. Yeah. Like there's, so again, arguably, strike first. Actually, you would have been committing the offense, mm -hmm. not the person carrying the weapon. I feel this every time I'm in uh, rural Virginia and they, Open carry laws exist here. <laughs> Weirdly, not for booze. You can't have booze open, but you can openly carry your your firearm. Yeah. And you're in a bar, and there's it's just a pistol hanging off the side of somebody's jeans. Um, perfectly legal. And like it's just interesting culturally that response. If that was in the UK, they'd be calling SWAT teams mm -hmm. just for the existence of it. Mm -hmm. So the whole this whole nature of it's, is it good or not bad? I don't know. I just don't. So these these scenes of crime, I think that's what I'm struggling with. I, The definition of when something is because, oh, well, we teach this, right? Mm -hmm. Threat is capability multiplied capability by intent. intent. Yeah. And so you're interpreting intent. If you can see the capability, whether it's a machete or a pistol, whatever you can see. But also, do you feel it's not open carry, it's closed carry? And... Mm -hmm then you just presume they have the capability. So now everything's measured on intent. And, and so therefore everything's a threat. Because you, you don't know. It's a stranger, you presume. And so intent. mitigating risk or mitigating a threat is where, it, so I was reading from um, this gentleman, Daniel Penny, um, and he was asked if he felt any shame and if uh, given the opportunity, would he do it again? And he nodded and he goes, I would. If there was a threat and danger in the present, I'd do it again. And like, is that wrong? Is that so? I, I see on one side, absolutely, he should have neutralized the the threat that was Jordan Neely, and on the other side, it's now again the the narrative of a black man with mental health problems in an environment ends up dead as a result, and I I, I don't know, I don't know what we do with that societally. Yeah.
in travel news this week. Oh, <laughs> oh the Austrians. Okay. <laughs> so there is a village in Austria, I'm going to look it up as we're talking about it, that has put up a fence to stop selfies. Um, it is the village that is alleged to be the basis for the animated village in the film Frozen. Uh, you may not have seen Frozen, Ace, but if you have young children, I promise you, you will watch it at least 200,000 times once they reach the age of three through to around nine. Um, and I can, if you're interested, I can recite every lyric of said animated film. Anyway, so... The I was going to say this is the Austrian town of Arendelle. Um, but, <laughs> so but you have watched it, no, yes. But I no, haven't. It's, it's Hallstatt. It's Hallstatt. Hallstatt. Yeah. So Hallstatt is a village of just a, a few hundred people, I think, and it gets around 10,000 visitors a day because it's such a gorgeous setting. And But they're trying to get, quote, the right type of tourists to come. What does that mean? Oh, it's so interesting, isn't it? Oh. So we're going to come on to Hong Kong in a minute because they're doing something similar. So, uh, And what they've done is they've put up fences to block the view so that people can't take selfies to dissuade just selfie takers. Yep. Um, now, similarly, Hong Kong is struggling with this, is post-pandemic floods of travelers from mainland China mm -hmm. who want to see Hong Kong, yep. and, um, but they're spending very little. They come in on tour buses and they don't yeah. spend anything. And, and if you, Hong Kong's very small. Yep. Um, and Hong Kongers are famously snobbish, um, very, very focused upon um, uh, capitalism. And are not happy about the, quote, quality of the tourists uh, that, are, that are coming there, which essentially means they would prefer wealthy Westerners to, to other Chinese coming. Or wealthy, wealthy Chinese and wealthy Westerners. Hmm. Um, and by Westerners, I'm probably misusing that because they probably mean wealthy Japanese and South Koreans and Vietnamese as well as Australians and the right type of the right tourist. type, isn't that? It's just interesting. Oh, yeah, the right type. Uh, that said, the Instagram link thing, though, um, for anybody who loves the outdoors, God, the overcrowding of national parks and hikes um, that you you see, you can observe people on those trails. They are there on a mission to have that photograph taken. That has also been taken if you click that geolocation a hundred thousand times with the same people is um it's it's pretty miserable yeah yeah it, it so interestingly enough i think um I'm, uh, there was a little piece in kind of connection with the uh, austria article it says tourist chiefs in amsterdam warned warned british men to stay away as part of a major new operation to clean up the city and rid it of rowdy and hedonistic behavior no so apparently <laughs> If you're of a certain IP address, so if, if you if you register, if you clock yeah. on, you know, the the global tracking system that is the internet, as a as a British male uh, between I don't know ages of eighteen, you just and, get zero ads for tourists. No, so if you search like tourism for Amsterdam, the government of the tourist authority of Amsterdam puts up an ad saying this Don't really isn't here. for you. Yeah. Like this is not this is this is not what you think it is. Now I'm all in favour of that. Having once <laughs> been a consular <laughs> officer and having to deal with Brits on holiday, yeah. and get them out of whatever mess they got into. Yeah, I'm. I'm Bigger. I, I'm I'm very much in favor of a certain a certain demographic of Brits just never going on holiday yeah, anywhere fair enough. ever. Hey, yeah. can we go to we we just were talking about Instagram for a second. But there are so hang on, there are some yeah. really good ones though. I mean, there are you can't name <laughs> some names. Really good but, British men. But there was there was the woman who uh, flew from London to Costa Rica and called her consular officer her her consulate outraged because why was it so far? She was certain Costa Rica was in Spain. <laughs> 
<laughs> no. Oh, it's so good. Oh, no. there are some. There are some buttes. Just oh, some buttes. Lord. Yeah. Okay. Um, stay, let's let's stick yeah. with social media for yeah. a second. Uh, Montana banned TikTok this past week. Uh, Montana did ban yeah. TikTok this week, yeah. which is just insane. Given, I, I'm not necessarily against it. It, it, and they didn't ban it for government officials. That's one thing. They they banned just it from banned the state. It. Nobody like you will not be able Montana to access Assembly Bill 419. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so for a missed an opportunity for a state for that is defining itself by what's that Kevin Costner show that old old Yellowstone yeah the yep. Republican women salivate over all the Republican women we know salivate over wait weren't you weren't you invited no you weren't invited to this you were actively not invited to the film set of Yellowstone by yeah. our friends in Montana well it's because I kept making light of um, Kevin Costner versus Kevin Bacon that's um, right yeah one's Tremors one's Yellowstone I don't know the difference. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so for a state that's all about liberty and freedom, determining so the the anti-China push has mm -hmm. outweighed the liberty push, which is very very so fascinating. It's a measure on the it's yeah. liberty until there might be a bigger threat to our liberty than our need for liberty. I, I make it make sense, but there was already a government ban on this one. And then they've extended it to the general public. Isn't that the case? That is the case. They had banned it for government yeah. officials. Yeah, which is and totally. Then, yeah, yeah. No, that I makes sense. That. And, and then I think that the. Um, so TikTok, the TikTok ban from government devices. I mean, first of all, you probably shouldn't be on TikTok on a government device because you should probably be working when you're on a government device. No. But aside from that, the data risks because TikTok, it's it's not clear what the ownership of the holding company, Jambyte, is it? It's yeah. the holding company, is, and the presumption that that you can access that the Chinese government can access the data of all of these users that are in the United States and other uh, other democratic based countries. So that's one concern. There's another concern though, which I find more interesting about TikTok, which is that China has limitations for for kids and teenagers. Yeah. They it won't work after a certain time of night. Is more educational based than sort of viral based. Is the argument that the foreign policy mission of TikTok on behalf of the Chinese government is just to destroy our minds? <laughs> uh, so this is an article by uh, Julian Ariak in uh, Le Monde, which is talking about um, this is sort of disinformation at a large scale, and we're essentially creating the influence of a mass lobotomy. <laughs> Which, look, I laughed when I said that. I read this and I was like, wow. You know, so the Chinese version, Doyen, um, which is sort of TikTok's, it, again, it's, it's, it's a sister product of TikTok that's available in China. This is one China. that has like a restricted view yeah, yeah, for yeah. kids. Well, yeah. but regular TikTok isn't available in China. Yeah. So there's only, there's only this, this version. Um, and you can't log in before 6 a.m. or after 10 p.m. And you can't spend more than 40 minutes a day on the app. That's, that's rules that are set. By but it's, it's, it specifically says uh, limits are to address China's epidemic of short-sightedness. That's um, well. That's what they're saying, right? But the what it's saying is the reality is it's shattering the attention spans of Western children, and Beijing yes. doesn't want to end up in the same. There way. was one particular quote from this article that I loved: is that uh, Beijing wants to spare its own kids from the quote digital cretin factory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny until... Uh, so, uh, yeah. Um, now, talking about actually dictatorships, we talked yeah. about trigger warnings mm -hmm. last last session. Last session. It makes it sound like a legislative session. 
Order. Like it Order. Um, and uh, there was this this tweet we were talking about trigger warnings. Hanif Qureshi, the the author and writer, wrote this remarkable tweet the other day. Well, it might be him. He's got a blue. Does a blue tick mean anything? It doesn't mean it anything. could. It could have been him, or it could be somebody, somebody presenting as him. Five dollars. But it was, it was kind of interesting. But he talked about he is looking at you know when he's mentoring writers and he's looking at scripts, just how. Um, vacuous the storylines are because everybody's feeling the requirement to um be right righteous politically correct woke whatever is the mm -hmm. sort of terminology but it, it, probably none of those words work but safe mm -hmm. is that um there's a reluctance to write characters of an ethnicity that or gender that's not your ethnicity or gender for appearing that you're presumptuous that you understand and he's, yeah. he's essentially making the case this is just making for dreadful writing wow. just yeah and encouraging people to be brave and um so the line is um i wouldn't i I wonder whether I would even have a career now. I'm relieved not to be a young writer today working in this atmosphere of self-consciousness and trepidation, this North Korea of the mind. I thought it was interesting. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do, actually. I think, I think that we are in a... Um, we're, we are going to result in, if we're not careful, in a degradation of human rights mm -hmm. in lashback to the extremity of what we're asking people to do in terms of respecting other human beings that that because your your requests become so far out it 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 triggers the response to it mm -hmm. i i've talked i may have talked about this before i think this is the, the explanation for trump i think the presidential directives of President Obama, of whom I'm a big fan, mm -hmm. I think is amazing, um, went at a federal level into state issues too far, or what are perceived as state issues mm -hmm. too far, and led to a lashback that led to a president, and President Trump, that didn't represent the values of many of the people they were voting for, that you can, you can swing too far. And and things like this, it's fiction, it's art, it it is like, let it be. Um, yeah, there. I find that there are some corners of uh, entertainment right now that just create these monstrous characters, and I and I love them. Right, like not not the character, but the fact that the yeah. character has space to exist. Um, yeah, there are a handful. Uh, d uh, secession comes to yeah. mind. Like everybody's just awful on that show, yeah. and it's kind of great. Um, but it's my it, do good. My do good upon her, Elizabeth. Can't stop watching that thing. Right. Yeah. It almost. But I, I hear what you're saying. It almost feels sacrilegious watching those yeah. people on TV. Because it's like, but uh, you, I'm not allowed to. <laughs> I'm not allowed to like them. I'm not allowed to, uh, even in my head, engage with them because they're so horrible. And yeah, it. it if we can't step into this fantasy land that is entertainment and just see things that might be uncomfortable, it's similar to the trigger warnings, you know? If we can't be uncomfortable with character, maybe developing, maybe changing, maybe doing the things that humans do in real life, but we had to start with the most woke version, the rightest version, the not wrong version of that character, where do you go 
with that? Like, how do you enjoy and appreciate and consume entertainment if we're not allowed to write it? Or maybe we don't. Maybe we don't do trigger interact. warnings on on ideas that you'd be presented with. Maybe we actually work on the life itself, so it's not so horrific in mm. the sense of we can do trigger warnings at school before our kids in elementary school do active shooter drills. Well, maybe we work on that <laughs> and worry less about whether <laughs> Roald Dahl called somebody fucking fat or not. I mean, this is this is literally what's going on in our classrooms right now. And I realize I start to sound like one of those conservative Tory old deans ranting on it. But we're we're at I think we're at real risk. We we can't um, we've got to be careful showing um, aspects of of violence uh, going on. But you can watch first person recording from body cams of soldiers in Ukraine observing the most horrific mm -hmm. real things that are happening right now in Ukraine. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe we focus a bit more of energy in resolving that and a little less on judging an author for writing from a perspective that they don't happen to have their ethnicity or gender. There we go. Hey, if I was worried about what we were going to talk about this week, I underestimated that worry. Just saying. Um, hey, Perry, will you, um, you know that protect, protective detail we occasionally hire? Do you have them just outside after this? Yeah. Hey, Perry. Speaking of, um, before we before we wrap, I um, maybe this will be a light note. Let's wrap on <laughs> penguins, Scott. Again, penguins mating for life. Um, so you you were wondering last week uh, how my partner survived our first date. You, oh, yeah. you were yeah, yeah, you were yeah. asking about yeah. that. It was a rhetorical question, I think. But um, she I seem to recall you being incredibly dull, and I may have said. <laughs> Hey. I was ranting about you. It's very rare for Mary to actually LinkedIn. laugh at anything we said, but he was dying at this. Where I, I just asked, how, how might Julie have gotten through that first date with you? Well, I, I think um, Perry, might you just play that snippet? <laughs> you didn't, babe. So we were, we we just listened to last week's podcast, and um, Scott went a rant about my rants and how you've survived them and uh, you had a note for our three listeners which is <laughs> simply I wanted it to be known that I also go on rants as if not more than you as many as you and that was one of the things that I liked about our first date was that we talked a lot and we have a name for my rants as well. Which is High Thoughts with Sober Julie. Yeah. And I feel like that makes sense. Secondly, I would like the record to reflect that we did not have coffee on our first date. <laughs> we went paddleboarding. We did. And we chatted the whole time. And then we just kept chatting for weeks on end. And there you have it, Scott. It wasn't my penguin tail. So anyway, um, Scott, you're wrong. And I'm Ace Colwood. And I'm Scott Wayne. We'll see you next week. Maybe. Maybe.